millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Mischief Makers, your one-stop shop for all things mischief. Join your host, Dave Hearn, as he finds out what makes mischief, well, mischief. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mischief Makers with me, Dave Hearn. Uh, And with me today, I have the wonderful and I imagine probably very excited Mr. Chris Leesk. Hello, Chris. Hello. How you? And you were right. I am excited. Yeah, you're a very excited, man. It's uh, it's quite an infectious energy you have. Oh, this is a nice start. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, maybe you could describe me as quite hyper. I think I... Yeah, hyper or just energetic? Well, I said infectious sort of energy oh, and sort of enthusiasm. I went but a you, different you, way. You said hyper, yeah. But no, that's good. Yeah. I think people, I hope people (laughs) listening to this will be like galvanized by, you know, walking down the street, listening to Chris. Yeah, with high energy or energetic. Uh, uh, Now, how much do you know about this, this podcast? We haven't spoken about it a huge amount. No, well, I've listened to uh, a few of them. um, Mm -hmm. And I know it's just kind of, you know, just chatting about all mischief world and, and, and what we do. I, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, you know, it sounded like a, a bit of a bit of a guess that, but I, I believe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, let me re- reword it. I may or may not have listened to the podcast. There um, it is. But, you know, I've I've been busy. I've been listening to Louis Theroux, but it's on it's on my list. No, that's I'll good. listen to my. And to own, be fair. Yeah, when you know you know most things about everyone in the company anyway. But what what exactly. you've just done is you've turned this podcast in, from an informal interview into Dave Hearn investigates the truth <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uncuts lies. That's true, actually. Yeah, it's going to be a really short short podcast yeah. where it turns out Chris hasn't listened to them yet, so he's not worthy to be talking on them. Yeah, we've hit the two-minute mark and we're done. Case, <laughs> case closed. 
good speaking to you about. <laughs> yeah. So basically, I set these up to um, to give us something to do during lockdown, but Ooh. also um, to ask people questions about their lives and where they grew up. Um, and also because like fans ask a lot of questions, and there is some fan questions later about like the Ooh. shows and stuff. But actually, because I thought because I know most of the people, if not all of the people in Mischief very well. Um, and so I, I can um, sort of needle out more interesting information. Uh, which oh. you probably wouldn't necessarily reveal in like a you know a Q and A or whatever in front of some school kids, and that's yeah, sort of the idea was to, and just to kind of help people learn how like actors become actors, you know. Yeah, sure. Well, so we're we're doing this all in one take, um, which the fans of the show will know that. Uh, so that drink you just took, that's in there, mate. Wow, you heard that. I did. I heard well, your. This picks up your, everything. Yeah, you you got a you got a good chamber for your throat. As a, as a, <laughs> that is, um, uh, yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a loud drinker. Yeah, that's good. Well, no, well, no. Um, so the first section is the getting to know you section, and if oh, you gosh. had listened to some of the other podcasts, you would know that I don't have any jingles or any kind of music prepared. So I'm asking um, people to improvise a very short mm-hmm. getting to know you jingle. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, okay. I could, do you want me to do that now? Mm. Oh, you just drank there. I did. You caught me. I caught you, <laughs> sneaky. I covered the truth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want me to do that now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Here we go. I've got to think about it. No, I don't think about it. Just go for it. Okay. Ding, 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 dong, ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, 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 getting to know Chris. Is that the kind of, is that, was that not what you, maybe I should have listened to the podcast before. Was that not at all what you wanted? No, that's, that's, I think that might be the best one we've ever had. What, did you actually want more words or, because I just went for... Adorable. Yeah, you had a long. Yeah, no, you had a long <laughs> musical intro. I was about to ask you, what was the instrument you were playing there? It was well, because it's like getting to know you. It's like coming to someone's front door. So it's like someone ringing a doorbell. That was kind of. I think I th- to and the uh, to suggest that I actually thought about it is wrong. I just went for whatever came out of my mouth. Ding, da, ding, ding, da, ding, dong, ding, ding, da, ding, 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 ding. Getting to know you. Well, yeah, getting to know good. Chris. Yeah, getting yeah. to know Chris. Yeah, very catchy. Yeah. Thank you. Um, okay, well, let's get to know you. Um, okay. So let's begin. So I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, and um, I was like, oh, well, because I, I, I didn't really know much about where you grew up or much about your family and that kind of situation. So let's start with, did you grow up in Amersham? I grew up in Amersham, yeah, just on the Metropolitan Line at the end. So basically, well, I always say London, but it's like Greater London. Um, grew mm. up in Amersham, uh, went to school in Berkhamsted, though. Which is, um, which is in Hertfordshire, um, right? Yeah, and it was it was a lovely place. Me, my brother. Some listeners might know who my brother is. Uh, Stephen Leesky is an actor as well, and both of us obviously grew up together. And uh, yeah, we went quite kind of our whole lives of kind of. Well, he always says that I followed him because we went to the same schools. Then we ended up going to the same university, Lambda. Um, and then my brother he's was actually older as well. He is older, which is, a, yeah, he is older. He's four years older. Um, 
but yeah, grew up in Amersham, which was which was fun. I mean, there's not much to do in Amersham. It's very much a com- commuters area. There was a swimming mm. pool with three slides. That was kind of cool. Three, which but, was which was your favourite slide? Oh, it was uh, the dark green one because it was nice. really steep. Yeah, really uh. steep. It's weird, isn't it? Because I, I went back there like ten years after because I went to uh, play squash, as you do. And I looked at uh, the swimming pool, and I swear my memory of those slides, they were the steepest things, and they were so steep and terrifying. I went back to it, and they look rubbish now. It's so much better. How old were you? What, when I went there, when I went there again playing squash? Well, no, like when you were a kid on the slides. Oh, well, I must have been, well, from 12, Mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah, yeah. but I remember, yeah, I used to love it. And they had like a oh, they had jacuzzi, they had a massive pool, they had a dive pool, they had a rock climbing centre. It was really great, actually. Now, the more that I'm talking cool. about it, the more I really like Amersham. Move back to Amersham, mate. Maybe I should move back to Amersham. Maybe I'm missing yeah. something here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I grew up in Amersham my whole life and made some lovely friends who are still friends from there. So that's that's. And how did, you, um, how did you find school? Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed. I mean, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was very much involved in the drama world of it, um, and the orchestra, and very much the art side of it. I was never academic at all. Um, I'm amazed I got the GCSEs I got, and I'll be very, I'm very clear right now. I did not get very good GCSEs at all, um, <laughs> and I, I remember. Once in my, oh, it was such a failure in my history exam. And I got a laptop because I'm dyslexic. So I got extra time. And not that I ever used my extra time because I always thought that I just knew what I was doing. I was like, yeah, I know the answers to these. I don't need to double check it. Oh, the fool I was. And I remember at the end of the exam, they came around with um, uh, a memory stick to come and like save my, uh, my test. And I remember just as they were saving it, I was looking and we were talking about Russia. But instead of saying Stalin, for some reason, my brain had decided to say Hitler. And suddenly mm. as they were saving it, I was looking at the work going, no, that's completely the wrong person. What are you doing? I was like, oh, this is such a prime time for your dyslexia to come out. I can tell you that. I was like, oh, no. So, so you've written uh, a whole paper about Stalin, but just replaced the word Stalin for Hitler. Hitler. Yeah, wow. it was not. Yeah, so <laughs> as you can imagine, I I did not do well in that exam. Um, I also remember in my Spanish oral test, I made the Spanish teacher laugh it, during the test, and she had to stop it and start again. Which I don't think she, she said like, "Don't tell anyone." So, <laughs> um, but she started laughing because she asked me to describe myself, and I said that I had blue bones and a brown dog. I don't know how I said this. But she started laughing. Wow. She was like, Chris, we're going to start again. But you just said this. And I was like, okay. Then we, <laughs> we redid it. <laughs> and I said it again. And she looked at me in silence, kind of, why did you say that again? <laughs> My response was, well, I didn't do it as a joke the first time. I genuinely believe that's the answer. So I don't know what the other answer is going to be. Um, so that's what you're getting. So again, in Spanish, I didn't do very well. Sure, um, sure. But drama like and music was kind of a world that I understood. So... I kind of mainly focused on that. But I really enjoyed school. I made a lot of lovely friends. I didn't really have a hard time. It was actually really nice. I don't miss it. I like yeah. being an adult. But, um, yeah, it's much better, isn't it? 
it is much better. Because you get a lot of people that took over and was like, oh, it was so much easier when you were younger. It was. But, you know, I prefer me now. I mean, when I was a kid, when I was growing up, all I ever wanted to be was like, when you asked a kid, like, what do you want to be? If acting doesn't work out, what do you want to be? When I was really young, I wanted to be a train. Not a train driver, a train. So that just, Oh, wow. Oh, man. I like Yeah. I mean, I don't want to go back to wanting to be a train. I'm quite happy with being an adult now. An adult person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> adult person, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris the Tank Engine. Chris the Tank Engine. Doesn't oh, have the same I like ring. that. No, now I do want to be a train again. It does have there the same go. ring. Thomas the mm. Tank. Chris the... No, it doesn't. You're right. Chris the Tank Never Engine. Mind. Thomas, you know, it's a, it's a strong name. Not that Chris isn't a strong name, but it's like if you were just like, ah, oh, Christopher the Tank Engine. Christopher the Tank Engine. I never go by Christopher. Yeah. Is that your birth name, I, your full birth name? Yep, full birth name is Christopher James Leask. Um, no, it's very I, biblical. I, I don't, I, it is very biblical, isn't it? Um, mm. But I, I don't really like the name Christopher. I like Chris. I can, I can deal with Chris. But Christopher, I'm not, my mum wouldn't like that, but I'm not a big fan of Christopher. I don't know. Maybe I'm just yeah, bored of it. I've heard it a you lot. You don't suit it. Do, do, no, I don't, do I? What, no, what do you think is... I would suit? What, I like a different be, name um, than Chris. I think you could be like a, a Ben. Oh, Ben. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Or um, or like, uh, yeah, like, like, not like Benji. But something Benji. like Harvey, Harvey, maybe actually, maybe Harvey. But then that makes me think of Weinstein. Oh yeah, no, we I don't. No one wants to be called that, do they? No. no. Apologies to anyone called Harvey listening. You're probably yeah. not Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> no, and if you are Harvey Weinstein not. listening, I do not condone your behaviour. Stop listening. Yeah. Stop listening. Get off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so we won't go with Harvey. Uh, like. I don't know, like, I can't think of, like, I'm just, all I can think of noises, like, plume. Okay, plume. Yeah, I don't know, I feel like it could be a good plume. Like a plume of smoke? Yeah. That works, yeah, plume. <laughs> that work. Plume, that's my new plume. name, plume. Very good, plume like leask. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so plume, when you were at, um, at school, what was it about... <clears throat> What was it about kind of drama and music that you found more accessible uh, as opposed to kind of the more academic stuff? Um, I think I liked that it, there was no right or wrong. I think mm-hmm. my problem with is in the academic world is there there is it's considered there is a right and wrong, uh, which I don't like because I don't like being told that something's wrong, even though I I fully appreciate I'm probably wrong. But I liked in drama that there is no, there's no mis- mistakes to be made. They're just different choices, and I think that is quite liberating because mm. once you know that, then there's no fear of failure because you can't fail. You've just done it a different way, and that's just someone else's opinion, and that's okay. And I had an amazing drama teacher who um, who very much pushed that in us, that kind of getting rid of any. And I think as, as, as a student as well, when, you, when you're young, you know, 16 and below, you're so paranoid about making a fool of yourself uh, or being embarrassed. Mm. That's the worst thing that can happen to you. And when you get older, you realise, oh, it doesn't matter. Um, but at the time, this teacher really kind of instilled in us that it, it, doesn't, 
it's funny if if you make a mistake and enjoy it and own it don't mm. don't hide away from it and i think that was really liberating for me and um i think for any 16 year old being exposed like that is terrifying but actually i, I quite enjoyed it i quite liked um quite like doing that and also it's fun isn't it you're just like when you do drama games or music you're just you're just playing around and that's you just yeah you just play makeup aren't you which is is always fun um so I think I think that really helped and also my circle of friends that I, I was with uh were brilliant as well they're all very creative and we always used to at weekends like uh we had one guy who's now a professional drummer very successful who uh was an amazing editor and uh cameraman so he had this amazing kind of equipment and every weekend we'd kind of go out and just make short videos and and actually, I found someone watched them back, and they are honestly awful. Um, but, <laughs> but but I, looking back, if I hadn't have done that, hadn't made those mistakes, then I I may not uh, be the person I am today. You know, mm. it's about making mistakes. It's the only way of learning, isn't it? Well, so, um, do you think it was your first introduction, or like a reason why maybe you've gravitated more towards comedy? Was that kind of teacher saying? moving towards it being like funny to make a mistake and don't worry so much about it. I think so. Cause I mean, that's kind of what mi- mischief's based around really the, well, the goes wrong world of it is that it's, it's, it's funny when something goes wrong and mm. it's incredibly liberating if you do own it. And I think that's, I think that's where the enjoyment comes from for the audience as well. Um, is not to hide away from it, not to move on, but kind of sit in that moment. And that's really enjoyable. And I think, yeah, I think comedies, but I think there's nothing more joyous than making someone laugh, isn't it? I think, I think it's a hard skill, really hard skill to hone. And I don't think anyone, all of us have exactly mastered it yet because it's so incredibly hard. And I mean, what is perfection, David? What is? It's a good Um, question. It's a good question. Um, and, but yeah, I think so. I think I've always enjoyed making people laugh and I, yeah, I quite like the challenge of it, but it is also when you make a joke and no one laughs, that is also very damaging. (laughs) Different different kind of challenge. It's a different, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That can, oh, time stands still when that happens. Um, Yeah. But, so do you think like that was part of, I don't know if this is maybe uh, a side effect of having an older brother as well, but do mm. you think that you um, want to make, wanted to make people laugh or to like perform or to, you know, be a bit of a show pony or whatever? Is mm. it as a kind of social mechanism to fit in or was it just because you didn't enjoy or weren't a strong academia? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question, David. I do, yeah, I think, I think so. I think everyone at schools, you, you kind of, I don't know, I don't think this is, I, I understand why one does it, but I don't think it's right. You kind mm. of try and find where you fit in, in yeah. the stereotypical social circles. And you've got the ones who are really good at sports, you've got the really cool ones, um, and the other ones. Um, <laughs> and, the other ones. <laughs> and I guess, yeah, I was always kind of uh, the class clown I always kind of have been I guess that's where I just fitted in 
Mm. Um, I mean, I got in a lot of trouble when I was younger, but I think I always got away with it because I was kind of playful and fun about it. The amount of this is a weird thing we used to do is get we used to play like a rock game where we used to like, <laughs> it's really taking me back now. We used to just stand in the playground and throw rocks at each other. I mean, how dumb is wow. that? Wow, how, how big were these rocks? Well, I, uh, I mean, quite big. Like, I don't know why we'd, I think maybe it was the thrill of doing it, but what a strange thing to do. Like, you don't just stand and throw rocks at each other, but yeah, it was the thrill. And I used to take it too far and like throw them through windows. Mm. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I don't know why I did that. Like, God, we're really looking back now. What, what an idiot I was. Um, what was your question? I went on a diversion there to talk about throwing rocks no, at no, each other. No, no, that's all right. I'll, uh, I'll send out the lasso, bring you back. Um <laughs> So it was more, the question was like, do you think um, you kind of went into to drama or to acting or to comedy either because of a, a kind of social influence to kind of want to play that part within your social group or did you gravitate towards it because you didn't do well in, in things like history and Spanish and so you just kind of continued to do the thing that you were good at? Mm. I th- Yeah, I, 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 th- I think it's, I think it's down to because I enjoyed it. I loved it. And mm. I also, well, I think I was good at it as well. Um, and I liked entertaining. But also, yeah, I wasn't good at the academic things. And, and I didn't work hard enough, if I'm honest. I wasn't good at it anyway, and I didn't understand it. And I think my dyslexia really kicked in with that. But mm. um, I also wonder, I've always denied this, but the older I've got, I, I wonder how much my brother was an influence on it as well. Because I really look up to Steve, and I still do. And I wonder at a young age, because he was so into drama and he was so good at it as well, if there's no doubt that would have had a bit of influence on me as well. Mm. Um, so I think that's an aspect of it. Yeah. But... I think it was to fit in. But then again, it's it's strange because then I went to a different school for sixth form and there's a weird thing about drama kids that like that it's kind of considered a bit odd if you are part of a drama club or uh, you do the theatre shows, like you're considered a type of person. And I, I never felt that when I was younger, but when I got into sixth form, like it became like, oh, he's the odd guy who does all the acting which I find very mm. bizarre. I never understood. But I think I kind of took that on and was like, okay, great. You're going to make me that guy. I, I, I will be that guy times 200% and be in your face about it. <laughs> like, so Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I quite enjoy, I mean, to be fair, when I got into the sixth form college, um, I had a meeting before and they looked at my grades. It was quite a good school. And they said, uh, your grades can't get you in the school. And I was like, great. What a waste of time this meeting's been. <laughs> and they were like, what a fun day brother, out. Yeah, yeah, this has been fun for no one, surely. Um, and they were like, but your brother went here. And I was like, oh, God, okay. Um, so as long as you do a lot of extra curriculum, doing all the, like, the choir, the orchestra, uh, all the different review shows we do, as long as you participate in them, uh, you can come to the school. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. So I became kind of the guy who had to organise all these different shows and be part of the orchestra. So I think that, for me, kind of made me feel like, okay, well, that is definitely a skill I have. 
that even teachers, these adults are telling I have. Okay, so I should hone on them, not maybe focus on the other side of it and just focus on acting and music. Yeah, so that's kind of, I think, where it all came from. Yeah, I think it's really strange, isn't it? This idea that like um, when you hit that kind of really awkward age from sort of 15 upwards or 14 upwards, that it's suddenly um, there's so much focus on you as an individual in terms of like you're now starting to make choices about what you're going to do with your life. Um, And so then to do an extracurricular thing for fun seems weird because you're just like, well, that doesn't seem as important now if I don't get these grades. But then also I think it works. What you were saying, it's really interesting about how you felt that you were perceived differently by other kids who were just like, oh, you're like the weird drama kid. Because I think there's this really romantic idea that actors are just like good actors are just naturally gifted and they don't have to train and they don't really have to. We love the story of the really famous actor who just got picked up, you know, having a coffee in a bar in LA and a director was like, I want you in my movie. And, you know, Johnny Depp was born and you're just a bit (laughs) like, well, yeah, that would be great. But then you kind of begrudge those actors because you're just like, but you didn't go through the weird thing I went through when I was 16 when everyone thought I was strange. And like, yeah, you you didn't go to these kind of places and learn all of these things. And so I think, yeah, maybe there's something that there are less actors than perhaps there would be because when they hit 16, 17 and they're like, well, actually, I don't want to be I don't want to be weird. I want to I want to kind of be you know get good grades and get a good job we uh, i yeah i think it's also because a, a real struggle that i've i think sadly I, I a lot of actors have these stories which is the amount of teachers parents friends that ask you what your plan b is there is no mm. other job that i know of that anyone get asked what their plan b is what their backup is and i understand the logic behind it the logic behind it is it's really competitive it's such a competitive industry and it's really hard. But I think it's a shame because what you're doing is you're telling someone young that that they're not going to get it, essentially, is that they yeah. need a plan B. Instead of actually going any other job you don't do, because, I don't know, an accountant who w- wants to work at Ernst & Young or PwC or something like that, if that is their dream, you wouldn't say to them, okay, what's your plan B? But yeah. the chance of getting into Ernst & Young and, and or PwC is really hard. But we just understand that they would survive. They'd go to another accountancy firm or they'd, um, I don't know, go into admin or they'd do something else with those skills. And I think people think that acting is so limited to you can Mm. only act. But actually, if all fails, you can become a teacher. You could become a public speaker. You can become an entertainer. You can do anything with these skills. And actually, I think think the, the skill that you learn from being an actor of being able to public speak is really hard and actually Mm. a skill that every job needs. So I think to limit people by saying you need a plan B or a backup, I think it's unfair. Um, I remember there was a a music teacher who we, I was doing music technology when I was at A-levels, but he basically said I needed a plan B and I should be doing something else and not acting. And I remember turning around to him and just being like, no, I'm going to do acting. Thank you though. (laughs) That's like very nice. (laughs) Thank you, John. Uh, I'm going to do this. And he told me, he was like, you, you won't be an actor. He was very blunt about it. And I was like, 
okay. I mean, I don't know who made you like God. <laughs> the acting captain. The <laughs> yeah, yeah. On <laughs> saying so, no, you can't. Um, but I remember then about five years later, I'd finished Lambda and I was on the underground station. I was going and I was on the, um, um, what do you call moving stairs, escalators? <laughs> You're on some moving <laughs> on the, stairs, yeah, yeah. Yeah, on the moving stairs going down to the, um, uh, the train. And he was there and we were chatting and he was like, how have you been? I was like, yeah, I went to Lambda. And at this point I just got my first acting job on TV and I told him about it. And it was a really nice moment because he laughed and was like, well, you know, I was wrong, wasn't I? And I was like, oh, I'm glad he appreciated it and noticed it. And we weird that he remembered it and I didn't have to remind him, which I found mm. really interesting. So it became more personal. I felt like I was the only person he told that could yeah. be an actor. <laughs> um, but that was quite a nice moment because I was a bit like, yeah. I mean, it's, if you, I, I don't, with acting, I, I don't like when people go like, if you work really hard, you'll get it. I don't think that is the answer because I don't think that's the answer in anything. If you work really mm. hard and you do get it, you deserve it because you've worked really hard. But just because you work really hard doesn't mean you are going to get it because it's all down yeah. to opportunity um, and whether or not you happen to be in the right place at the right time or know the right person. But yeah. I do believe that the only control you do have is to work really hard, uh, develop your skills and be match fit. So when the opportunity does come, you're ready to go. Yeah. You know? I wonder if there's like um, in a, the those teachers that kind of say that, you know, may, maybe not so directly, but sort of suggest that you should have a plan B. I wonder if there's a kind of um, kindness in that or, or at least an attempt at kindness because of knowing like you say like if you if you want to be an accountant or 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 you know in a really high high profile sort of accountancy firm the likelihood mm. is that you're not going to get that but i guess your implied plan b as you said is that you'll just end up in another firm but you'll still be an accountant and i think yeah like you say like the, the there isn't an implied plan b for acting it's like there's this notion that it's either famous actor or failure and I yeah. think like that maybe the adult world is trying to prepare youngsters for that failure or, or maybe not necessarily for that inevitable failure, but the idea of kind of going, if I, if I'm really, if I'm kind of harsh to you now and go, you're not going to make it, maybe that will, it, it won't hit you as hard when it does happen. And if it doesn't happen, then great. I was wrong and you're successful. Good for mm. you. But if but if I'm right, then maybe you'll be like, yeah, someone did tell me, and I'm really glad they did because I'm prepared for it. I wonder if that's the kind of psychology behind it to try I and think sort so. of. Yeah, I but think it's, so. It does seem weirdly. It's it seems like an unkindness, but I imagine it comes from a good place. But I know what you yeah. mean. Like it's it feels there's this kind of stigma with not just acting, but you know, dancing and singing and musicals and all yeah, kinds of entertainment yeah. that. Um, I was talking to Holly about it actually. Holly is uh, my housemate who Chris knows and worked with on bank robbery, mm. and she's um, she's working for an agency at the moment, and she had a real kind of worry about stepping back from acting. Um, and I, I remember saying to her that I think there's this idea that if you're an actor and you aren't getting work and you maybe start to pursue looking at something else, that you've failed and that you are a failure and that you took a risk on this very very risky proposition in life and mm. you failed and that's a shame and everyone goes oh so you, you've given up 
you failed to be an actor. As where, like, if I was a doctor or, or a, an ambulance driver, and I go, oh, actually, being an ambulance driver isn't really for me anymore. It's quite stressful. I'm going to, you know, become a become an accountant. People go, oh, congratulations. That's a really cool life, life move to make and good for you. And I think it's it's hard for an actor to choose not to be an actor anymore just because maybe they don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's always, if you fall into something else, I think that's considered like, it's strange because if you're an actor, you kind of someone falls into something else in your head, you kind of go, Oh, congratulations. Cause sometimes you do as an actor when you've been out of work for a while and you're doing a part-time job that you don't want to be doing, you kind of go, I wish to God I could wake up and not want to do this anymore. Mm. Um, it would make life so much easier. Um, but then actually making a conscious decision to go like, oh, actually, I want to do something else. Um, I think is it, it, it's cha- changing any occupation, I think, is a, is a, is a challenge and really yeah. testing. But if it's something you want and you're willing to go out there and fight for it, then I hats off to you. I think that's so empowering and wonderful. Mm. Um, so I'm just going to um, redirect us slightly back. So keeping on oh. the theme of education, um, mm-hmm. but uh, towards... So you've gone, you've gone through school, and and you know yep. we've figured out that you were weird, and people <laughs> thought you were weird, um, oh, but then you went yeah. to Lambda, the kind of you know one of the weirdest places of all, um, and you oh, did the yeah. foundation course and the three year course, right? Yes, I did the foundation, then went on to the three year course. I was at Lambda for about four years, which is a long time to be at a drama how, school. How did you How did you find it? I loved it. The foundation course was amazing. We got the amazing opportunity to work with Adam Megiddo, who is a director of Mischief as well. He did Peter Pan Goes Wrong and Magic Goes Wrong. Um, and he taught us improv. And I made some amazing friends. That I mean, it's where me, Nancy, Shields met. Is there only us three on the foundation course? I think was, so, yeah. Yeah. And then... Uh, and then that's also obviously Lambda's where all of Mischief met, which is really exciting. Um, and yeah, I, lo- I loved Lambda. I loved all the fight that we did. Uh, I mean, it's, drama school's hard, really hard, mm. because it's very exposing. And I, I and you, you're, you're, you're forced to expose yourself in ways that maybe you've been quite self-conscious about and you don't really want to, but it's a safe environment to do things like that. And I think it toughens you up definitely. Um, but I loved it. I had a really great time. I loved the clowning. I loved, yeah, everything. I mean, Do you feel that it um, sort of changed you as a person in any way? It definitely toughened me up. I, I had a real prop. Pro, I think maybe this comes from my whole being younger and wanting to entertain everyone. I really cared what everyone thought and was mm. and almost was kind of imposing my 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 need to be loved on everyone of going, mm. and even if I made a joke that maybe didn't go down well, I would beat myself up about it and be like, oh no, you failed today, Chris. Um, sure. Drama school kind of toughens you up a bit. You go like, oh, it's okay. It's just, everyone's trying as hard as each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I see what you mean. Like the idea of, I wonder <laughs> if, um, do you think it's a, a bit of a kryptonite for an actor to sort of have that, I guess most actors do think about it, but worry so much what sort of everyone thinks. I think so. I wouldn't say every actor does. Mm. I think, well, or maybe every actor 
is good. Some other actors are good at hiding it. I don't know. I, I do think we care. It's like that long running argument is if you had an audience of 500 people, say, and 499 liked you, but one person didn't, would you care? that the mm. one person didn't like you, even though the majority did. And I'm definitely, yeah, I would care why that one person didn't like me. And I think sure. when I was younger and, a, and an actor straight out, it would really bother me and it would really affect me. And I, now I've got older, I've got more, it still affects me slightly, but I, I more use it as a way of getting energy for it. I more go, okay, great. What, what, they didn't like it. That's fine. We'll just be better next time. But I think yeah. in a healthy way, not in an unhealthy way that I work myself to the bone like um i think it's from quite a healthy place now i mean yeah. i say that well, now I think... You're, we're gonna have this no you go have... i was gonna say i think um i think because i sort of i think you you end up thinking in in extremes as an actor and i think um i think i'd probably think of the other extreme where i you know you take the example of 500 people i mm. sort of would would walk out and be like okay great so no matter what i do i know for certain that at least one person in this audience is going to hate my performance and hate one person well. <laughs> yeah i really think one person is going to be like that geezer is just a gurning mess and like <laughs> some some people on twitter are very kind to me and they say oh you know dave is a really good comedian and someone else is going to read that tweet and be like what a bunch of hokum that guy is <laughs> terrible. And like I kind of go out and it, that doesn't affect me in a way because I sort of go, great. So I, I kind of know that one person's going to hate my performance. So I've kind of just got to do what I think is right. No matter what sure. happens, I can't make everyone happy. So I've just got to kind of hope that on the whole, everyone seems to be having a good time. And that one sour apple can, you know, go, <laughs> just go back just to... Don't, don't come back again. Yeah, go back to the, you know, the orchard, mate. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I had a, a great one once where we were, so after we did bank robbery, we were doing bucket collections at the doors. Mm. And people are, you know, very nice when they're coming past and saying that they enjoyed the show and all that. And this one person came past and just looked at me and went, wow. And I was like, oh, I'm <laughs> and I just assumed they were going to be positive. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and and uh, he just went, wow, that that was a lot. And I was like, oh, and I once again was trying to take a positive. I was like, oh, well, about, oh, about cool. your performance. So I thought it was about the show. And I was like, oh, yeah, the show was got. And he was like, no, 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 your performance. It was, it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> all, I, all I did was laugh. But I definitely laughed it off. And in my head went, oh, you know, that's just his opinion. Honestly, I suddenly realised after a week of still telling the story, I was like, okay, no, it's affected you. There's no need for you to have continued to tell this story. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, that was, that, was some, that was some feedback. That It's hard, isn't it? Because I think it's, we, we definitely live in a culture where um, acting is... is can, most forms of entertainment are kind of seen as anyone can kind of have a go and anyone, mm. can, be a, anyone can be a critic. And I kind of yeah. get that sort of mentality because anyone can buy a ticket for something can pay and watch stuff um and with the kind of invention of shows like britain's got talent and x factor you know we we are asked as a public to call in and judge a, a, you know someone else's yeah. ability and so we do feel that we have the right to kind of say those things 
I think yeah. sometimes it's really easy to forget in that moment that you are a person and just to kind of go up to you and be like, I really enjoyed the show, but I thought your performance was quite a lot for me. It's just like, <laughs> okay, thanks. That, okay, cool. Thank you. But I can't, yeah. I don't mind it too much because actually I think it's my problem. If I, if I take it badly, that's kind of, that's my decision that I've, I've made, I'm going to take it badly. Sure. And, you know, it's, because at the end of the day, what other job do you do where at the end of your day's job, you get a round of applause? <laughs> like, I yeah, mean, I'd love yeah, to see yeah. if that was a, a thing for offices. I'd be like, that's amazing. So I kind of go, well, it's kind of, it's got to work both ways. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of, mm. does it have to work both ways? What am I saying here? I don't know if I actually, maybe I don't agree with my own comment. I think this it's okay. I don't. Yeah, I know. We're getting a bit of conflict here. Um, yeah, I, I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you went to a restaurant and you had a dinner that you didn't like, I mean, I personally would never say that. I'd be like, oh, yes, it was lovely. Thank you so much. More, please, more, even though I hated it. Mm. But if it was... Uh, but some people will be send things back because they don't like it, and that's okay, and will comment on the fact that they didn't really enjoy it. So mm. I kind of go, well, that's fine. I mean, I... I still wouldn't say it to someone's face if I didn't enjoy someone's performance. But, uh, yeah. but maybe that makes me two-faced. Because I definitely maybe. say it behind their back. There you go. And, and maybe that guy sure. was just, he was just, he was just doing, he was like, didn't enjoy this guy's performance. Yeah, I'm going to tell him. And you know what? Good <laughs> for that guy. <laughs> yeah, let's ruin his night. Right, now we're, we're, we're running out of time here, unfortunately. Oh, okay, um, okay. So I'm going to move us on very swiftly to the next section, which is going to mean that you're going to have to do another another jingle. Um, oh, okay. And this section is called Questions from the Web. So let's have your questions from the web jingle. Uh, uh, knock, 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 knock. Who's there? Questions from the web's there. I went for another door theme. No, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, opening the door of the internet into your personal abode. Yes. Very good. Come on in, guys. <clears throat> so the first question we have is from Stagey Megan. Um, oh. She asks, do you have a favourite or standout performance... Uh, sorry, performance? Do you have a favourite or standout audience interaction when you played Trevor in The Play That Goes Wrong? Oh. Um, uh, oh, that's a good one. I it, Does it have to be The Play That Goes Wrong? Can it be a mischief show? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it could be any show that you sort of interacted with the audience. But I think so, potentially Trevor is. is oh, uh, potentially Trevor. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think there was one where I had to kiss James Marlowe when he was playing Max. Nice. And there was a man who had obviously seen it before, so he had become so prepared to scream, uh, kiss him. But it came in at the wrong time, so it kind of threw me. But I still interacted with him, and he was like, "Kiss him." And I was like, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to kiss him, all that kind of stuff. And then, but it wasn't humorous. Like he wasn't enjoying it. He was angry by it, and he was like, no, do it, do it, kiss him. And I was like, all right, mate, chill out. And um, but no, he was. And then I eventually kissed him, and I looked at him in the audience after the kiss. And everyone else was laughing and enjoying it. And he just looked really serious. Like, no, I wanted them to kiss. It was quite intense. Experience. Oh, wow. I really enjoyed maybe it. He, maybe he hadn't seen the show. 
maybe he just got very excited and was just about like, about us kissing. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, this, this is a this is a moment in, in oh, history. I, well, I will say I, I know I know about time, but my favourite interaction in Mischief Show was in Bank Robbery, actually. So I get this hat thrown at me, and I have to catch it quite well. But I didn't mm. catch it, and it went into the audience. And I remember someone in the front row picked it up and gave it back to me. And I thought it'd be quite fun if that character I was playing, Roger, suddenly realised, oh, hang on, there's an audience there. And then kind of started, I kicked the hat back to the audience member. And uh, we kind of started just playing a little tennis game to be playful. Um, and that, I really enjoyed that because the audience member just started playing with me. Uh, it, oh, that until, does sound fun. Yeah, it was really nice until they decided they didn't want to play anymore. And they threw the hat f- further away from me so I couldn't get it. And I just really enjoyed it because I was like, yeah, the audience up, like had a little play with me and they won. And I thought it was a really nice experience. Even though I got in a trouble. A lovely moment in theatre. Lovely, yeah. Well, the yeah. show, the show, the bank robbery was always running a bit long. And then, you know, I... you got old Leesk putting in a <laughs> tennis match in, between, yeah, in the yeah. middle of it. I got in trouble a lot. I came off stage and the theatre manager was there. was like, you can't throw things in the audience. I was like, no, won't do that again. That's how you no, get a lawsuit. What yeah. about the sword? <laughs> what about these sharp objects in my in my pockets? Um, okay, so B10 Bethany asks, mm. um, in uh, in the Goes Wrong show, in Harper's Locket, when mm-hmm. uh, Trevor falls on the table, uh, was it shot in separate stages, or did you actually fall from a height in one shot? Oh, no. I, I wish I had... No, actually, I don't wish I had. That would have really hurt, because it was a really hard mm. table. But it was two separate shots. And we had a dummy, a Trevor dummy. Uh, so when it falls, yeah, it was it was dummy, dummy Trevor. Uh, but then basically the beginning of the shot where I land, I just kind of jumped up and then landed, which still hurt, actually. Mm. It still was quite painful on the chest. Uh, but no, it It's too, amazing it how effective that shot is. Because you I actually that, only yeah. see like a split second of the dummy falling. Um, and it's amazing actually how little of you see of you actually falling. And so I was like, oh, this is not going to work. Yeah. And then obviously Martin Dennis, very experienced director, was just like, mm-hmm. shut up. And then... Uh, <laughs> Let me do my job. Yeah, saw it on TV and was like, you know what? Experienced director, touche. You were right. It is very effective. Works really well. Yeah. But yeah, it was two different shots, and it was a it was a really fun scene to do. Yeah, yeah, wow, that was a good scene. Getting getting your ass out, getting Lots the old caboose out, mate. That fella, nice, nice doubloons. Um, <laughs> I think that's isn't it a doubloon like an old Spanish currency? Bloom? No, doubloon. A doubloon. Oh, I, d- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's some good knowledge. That's some good knowledge Pop- if you knew that. Possibly not. Um, Izzy, <laughs> Izzy asks, uh, watch, Hi, Izzy. Uh, watch, well, not watch, which, uh, which character watch. is uh, most difficult uh, to play uh, when you're everyone else in bank robbery? The most difficult character to play. Mm. Mm. That's uh, oh, I don't, I don't, um, the most difficult one to play. I actually, this is quite strange. I found Gus quite hard. Gus is never mentioned as a name, sorry. The maintenance man. Only because mm-hmm. after a while of doing 900 shows, having to scream behind a door is really challenging. 
and to yeah. do that every night and not lose your voice that was quite a challenging one um and also obviously all the characters in the fight were really hard because if you which is going to happen sometimes if you're quite tired uh, or exhausted because you've done so many shows i think sunday night are having done seven shows that week suddenly doing a fight scene where you have to flip onto your back that mm. can be quite a challenge um but that was probably yeah they're probably the hardest parts but I kind of, yeah, I think I had it good. easy in that show. You, Dave, you were throwing yourself out willy-nilly. Here's me complaining. You were going mad, weren't you? Like a little... I'm s- chucking myself all about. You were. How did that was you a tough find show. Um, I really liked it. I had like a, um, I had a bit of a confidence crisis in the first sort of oh. few weeks. Yeah. yeah, I kind of crashed about halfway through and was just really like, felt like a lot of responsibility for the show. Um, mm. And then I sort of worked, worked my way through that and um, yeah. And then came out the other side and it's one of my favorite shows. And I actually got to go back into it a few times on the tour and in the West end when there were like injuries and stuff. Um, yeah. And actually really, really enjoyed myself a lot. It's a very fun show. I was really sad when that closed. Really sad. Mm. Cause I love, well, actually this, um, the the idea of emergency cover is actually Abby's next question, um, oh. which she says, how did it feel uh, when you had to go back for emergency cover for bank robbery and Peter Pan goes wrong in the space of 24 slash 48 hours? Oh, that was tough because at, at that time I was, it was literally the weekend before I was going away on holiday for three weeks and I was at work, a pub I was working at doing a part-time job and I get a phone call saying, where are you? Can you come to Alexander Palace to come and do Trevor? At this point, I hadn't done Trevor in... When did, about three years ago, we did the Apollo, didn't we? Yeah, three years ago? Two, yeah, three yeah. years ago, yeah, yeah. So I hadn't done it since then. And lines I wasn't so much worried about because if all fails, you just you can just improvise, especially for Trevor, like you're, you're kind of okay. But um, mm. it was more of a flying sequence. I was like, I've not been on a fly rig in a very long time. But they're like, can you come and do it? And I was like, oh, screw it. Yeah, let, I'll come over. And then as I got out the station, I get a phone call from Bank Robbery, from the company manager saying, what are you doing tonight? Can you come to Bank Robbery? And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm actually at a different one. And they were like, okay. So I went and focused and I did Peter Pan Goes Wrong, which was amazing. And the cast were incredible and very helpful and definitely pushed me into the right positions. Um, and the, and the, the, there was a terrifying moment when I was about to stand on the table for the plank to flip up and hit me in the face. And I realized mm. I hadn't really practiced it. And I was like, and I froze for a very long time and just looked at it and went, there is a, there is a, it's very easy for that trick to go wrong. If you don't move your hand in time, you can actually knock yourself out. So I was a bit mm. like, okay, be careful. Don't knock yourself out before your holiday. But it all went really well, and the audience were incredible, and that theatre is amazing. And then when I came off stage, Mark Bentley, one of our producers, was there. Was like, "Would you mind going to do bank robbery the next day, playing a part that I didn't? Re- well, I did cover it, which was Free Boys, but it wasn't my part mm. that I knew inside out. And had to go and do two shows of that the next day, which was scary. Which it, it very was very impressive. Scary. Yeah, I was, I was, I was quite, I was quite proud of myself. I think, mm. yeah, I was really proud of myself, actually. Um, and it went well. And I survived it, which is the most important thing. And I think <laughs> it's, uh, it's not about 
it's not in these situations. It's not about quality. It's just about getting it done. <laughs> just need to get it done. Send in Chris Leesk. Send in Chris Leesk. He'll just say the lines. Say the lines. Learn the lines. Say the lines. Blackout. <laughs> um, so that that brings us to the end of questions from the web, um, right. and I think we've we've just got enough time for uh, actually what is aptly named the uh, quick fire section. Oh wow! Um, so uh, can I have a quick fire jingle? Go. Okay. I don't know what that was. That was horrible. It was. That was horrible. You that's know what recorded. I, I know. In my head, it was someone putting a letter through the letterbox, but that's not even what that would sound like. Okay, no, actually, maybe do that again, knowing okay. that. Okay. <laughs> no, it's no. no. No, it's just a oh, man no. sucking in air. <laughs> oh, God, that's, that's, that's on the web forever. Oh, yep. God, that's a horrible sound. It felt horrible. Sorry, quick fire, let's do this. Okay, so um, I'm, yeah, basically, just ask me loads of questions really quickly and just answer <laughs> as fast as you can. Okay, okay, here we go. So, what is your favorite color? Blue. What is your spirit animal? Uh, f- fox. Fox, nice. If you were to describe yourself as a dessert, what would you be? Oh, chocolate fudge cake. <laughs> is a jaff cake a cake <laughs> or a biscuit? Uh, it's it. They're amazing. They're both. It's just the best. If you were uh, one of the uh, fifty-two cards, which card would you be? Probably like the, uh, like the Ace of Hearts. Nice. Uh, left or right? Right. Nope. Right or wrong? <laughs> wrong. Ah, uh, what is your favourite film? Oh, I missed that. What's your favourite what? Film. Uh, oh, that's so tough. Uh, uh, Back to the Future. And your favourite video game? Oh, uh, Uncharted. Nice. Uh, and finally, uh, who would be the best person to be trapped on a desert island with? Best mischief person. Best mischief person? Yeah. Oh, uh, Dave, I'd say you, actually. And I'm not just saying that because I'm speaking to you. Mm. Um, I, I feel like I, I, I very much, like, not that I don't trust the others, but I really, really trust you. Like, if you say to me, I Uh-oh. can do this, there is no doubt you can do it. Like you're very, very kind of you. Yeah. And I feel like if I was like on a desert island, I was like, Dave, I, I need to get a fish. I'm really hungry. You'd be like, oh, okay, mate, I'll give it a go. And I know you'd come back and bring me a fish. Not just that I'm going to turn up with the around. fish. Yeah. yeah. You're just there being like, bring me bass. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think your survival skills would be really good as well. And we'd have oh, a well, great that's very time. kind of you. Yeah. It would be fun. Would you, I would enjoy who would that. You I would say, for purely for survival, probably yeah. Mike Bodie. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. Oh, nearly said that word. Um, yeah, you can say shit. That's all right. No, David, we can't. <laughs> it's a podcast, not swearcast. Beep. <laughs> oh, too late. It was too late. Oh, no, no, no. Good um, um, Yeah, because he can actually build a fire. He, it, yeah, except... I remember I was camping with Bodie once and he was he was like, okay, man, you don't wrap up too warm because you get actually, I'm not going to do the accent, you actually get more, <laughs> he was like, you get more cold if you, um, if you have less layers on. And I was like, 
Oh, so if you have more layers on, you get more cold. And I was like, okay. So I did it. I was freezing and then woke up and Bodhi wasn't there because he couldn't sleep because he was so cold. And I was like, I really trust mm. his opinion on that. And I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe he was right. I don't know. That's some classic camping bants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everyone's got one of those stories. Yeah. Oh, that. Cold, slept naked <laughs> in the snow. Oh. Yeah, it was a very, very bizarre night. Um, but yeah, so Bodhi's good choice. To close, because um, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like we could talk about lots of stuff for a lot longer, but mm-hmm. we got we should keep it under an hour. Um, what uh, what TV recommendations do you have for people? What have you? What do you? What do you? What would you say is like a must watch or a must oh, listen? Uh, Rick and Morty, I think, Very good. is the best show in the world. It's so creative and so silly. But they're just geniuses, writers. They're like, oh, it's incredible. I'm not going to give away too much, but just commit through the first series. You'll love it. It's incredible. Um, a podcast, I'd say Louis Theroux. He just, he's just incredible. Yeah, the Grounded series. Me. Yeah. I also, I they love like... Huh? They're really good. Yeah, they really are. I also really like the, um, uh, uh, what are they called? American Life podcast this american life this american life sorry yeah, yeah they're really good as well um and sometimes you get like like the odd conspiracy one and i love them so much i'm so invested in them well chris mm. thank you very much you're very for welcome. giving us your time today um i'm actually i don't usually do this but i'm going to give you an opportunity to redeem yourself by um i'm going to do i'm going to do a thanks i'm going to go thanks very much for listening i'm going to do the twitter handle and i'm mm-hmm. going to say the, the closing line is going to be, thanks for listening and keep making mischief. And I'm going to allow you to do a closing jingle. And whatever you do at the end of that jingle, I'm going to press stop, okay? You're going to press stop? Yeah, I'm going to press stop so that the last thing okay. will be that jingle, okay? So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I've been Dave Hearn, and we've been talking to the wonderful Chris Leesk. Uh, do keep an eye out for our next episode. And uh, you can follow um, all mischief news on um our twitter at mischief comedy thanks for listening and keep making mischief nice (laughs) normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.